I was born again in 1975, and as a new Christian, I was like a puppy just going from one person to another who said they were Christians, never dreaming anything could be wrong with what they said or with what a church person said or what the church said or what the minister said. I never dreamed there was be wrong in those groups. I just went from church to church, and it was wonderful. And from person to person who said they were Christians, I went to a prayer group, and it was just wonderful, and everything was wonderful. And I had no idea anything was wrong. However, at the first church that I went to, the pastor was teaching that tongues are of the devil. I didn't really much care because I didn't know what a tongue was anyway. But I sat there, and then one day in the Bible, in 1 Corinthians 14, I read something Paul said. He said, covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. And here this church was not only forbidding anyone to speak in tongues, they were teaching tongues were of the devil. So I left that church. I didn't ever go back after I read that scripture in 1 Corinthians 14. I went to another church. But again, I didn't really even think about anything being wrong at church. Not ever. God was teaching me so many things. He was working with me a lot about the subject of taking thoughts captive and following the Spirit of God and the works the Holy Spirit does for the church and in the believer. And it was just wonderful. I had friends. I just loved everybody and everything was great and there was no problem. 1982, I was reading Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and God began speaking to me about Antichrist. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 3 and 4 is where I was reading. Paul says, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day of the Lord shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. God said to me, the falling away are not people leaving the churches. The falling away are the churches leaving specific scriptures. And when that happens, Antichrist moves into that church. This is the first time I'd ever seriously considered the problem of Antichrist, and especially in the churches. During that same period of time, I was on radio from coast to coast. I was on a bus in Seattle, Washington, going from the convention center to the airport where I would fly back to Dallas, Texas, where I lived at that time. And God said to me, the foundation is now laid. Now we're really going to move. Well, I was just thrilled because I was on radio from coast to coast, my radio audiences at the meetings were growing leaps and bounds, and that just sounded wonderful to me. 
A few days later, the Holy Spirit said to me, The time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. All day long, the Holy Spirit kept repeating that to me, and I didn't know what it meant. The time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. After that, the Holy Spirit began bringing to my mind various things that ministers were doing, big-time radio TV ministers were doing, that were wrong. I knew as a prophet I had to communicate to those individual ministers the wrongdoing that was happening. When I tried to send messages to them about what God had shown me about them, I knew the messages were not getting through to them. God showed me a passage of scripture where Paul said to the church, Alexander the coppersmith has done me much evil, beware of his words. By that scripture, I saw that it was proper for us to warn the church in public, naming the person by name. By this, I was persuaded to go on my radio broadcast and name by name the specific ministers that God had shown me wrongdoing and tell what the wrongdoing was. When I did that, I'm pretty sure the message reached those ministers. I don't know if it reached Jim Baker. In 1982, God gave me a message on adultery to send to Jim Baker, which I did. I sent it on my ministry letterhead, Jesus Ministries, up at the top of the letterhead, Jesus Ministries. And I identified myself to Baker as a prophet of Jesus and told him God had me send him the following message, which I sent on a cassette tape. A few days later, I got a letter back, supposedly, from Jim Baker, and it said, Dear Jesus, Thank you for sending your inspiring message. Jesus, I want you to know that Tammy Faye and I prayed for you today. Obviously, it was a form letter that his workers were told to send out for that type of thing if someone sent a message. But they got mixed up, and instead of sending it, Dear Joan, they saw the letterhead Jesus Ministries and they thought it was some na one named Jesus. So supposedly Jim Baker was responding to me, thanking me for uh, the inspiring message and telling me that Jesus, Tammy, Faye, and I prayed for you today. Just more of the type of hypocrisy that you're accustomed to seeing when you contact one of these big-name ministers. It's not at all unusual for them to send you a form letter and make it look like a personal letter. Just hypocrisy. So I don't know if Baker ever got the message. I presented it on my radio broadcast. That was 1982. Later in the 80s is when I think Baker was discovered. He was having sex with his secretary, his church secretary. He and Tammy Faye divorced and 
She remarried, and Baker was sent to prison because of a uh, theme park fraudulent type thing. If you're interested, you can look it up on Wikipedia under just Jim Baker, B-A-K-K-E-R. But it was some type of theme park he had in someplace on the East Coast. And he was selling hotel rooms uh, for offerings. I mean, if you gave an offering, you got to come and stay at the hotel and go to the theme park. But the problem is he oversold his subscriptions, uh, his offerings. There were more offerings, more people than the hotel could accommodate. So it ended up in federal court, and he ended up going to prison over that. But at the same time, he was committing adultery with this woman named Jessica Hahn, who went into Playboy magazine big time and told about the um, adultery. But I was right there at the beginning of that in 1982 trying to deliver a message to Jim Baker on the subject of adultery. I doubt it ever reached him. And there, there was Jimmy Swaggart. His uh, ad agent was my ad agent. A lot of big-time ministers have ad agents. My own pastor, Robert Tilton, told me about ad agents. I didn't realize ministers had agents. I was already on radio from coast to coast when Bob said to me, Joan, you need to get in touch with Michael Ellison Advertising Agency because they can do you a lot of good. And so I did. And I became one of their clients. Well, their, my ad agent representative came to visit me in Dallas at that time. And he was telling me about Swaggart, who was one of their clients. He said to me, Swaggart was tired of having four or 500 people come to his meetings. So he came to us wanting us to increase the size of the meetings. And we told him, well, it was really very simple. All he had to do is preach less and sing more. He was a country western music type gospel singer. Give them more music and they will come to your meetings. Less preaching and more music. The ad agent told me that, and later God called that to my memory, and I was trying to get a message to Swigert to go back to preaching and do less music. God showed me it was a sin what he was doing. So I was trying to get that message to him, and I couldn't get that message to him. So I presented that message on my radio broadcast. And the hate mail from Swigert's followers just poured into my office. Huge amounts of hate mail. And Swigert put me off. He owned two of the radio stations that I was on, the one in Dallas and the one in Houston, and they put me off the air immediately and stopped the broadcast. I feel pretty sure Swigert got that message. Other radio stations put me off the air for speaking these judgment messages. In Seattle, I was having a meeting, and I walked up to the door of the meeting room, and there stood the radio station manager. Now, George had always been very friendly to me, but he wasn't this time. He was pretty reserved. And he said, Joan, you have many good messages. If you would just speak those messages, but if you speak, if you keep speaking these judgment messages, I don't know what's going to happen to you. We may have to put you off the air. The Holy Spirit rose up in me to address this issue and said through me, 
George, if I don't speak the message that I believe to be from God, then I don't have a message, so I may as well be off the air. That defined my life for the rest of my time in delivering messages up to this very moment. Speak the messages from God. If you don't speak the message that God wants spoken, you don't have a message. So I've gone by that all these years. Well, yes, they did put me off the air in Seattle, and they did in about half of my stations, approximately one half, put me off the air for speaking those judgment messages, bringing those corrections this way. It's the only way I could get them to the ministers, and I knew it was. So back to Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. At that time, God showed me that churches were going to fall away from scriptures and set up other doctrines, and lawlessness would then move into the churches when they did that. And at the same time, I was seeing lawlessness in the ministries, as God was showing me. So this was the first time, 1982, that I was really, had it called to my attention, the lawlessness inside the church, both from the ministers and the individuals in the congregation, and how doctrines were being presented that were not according to the Bible. And after that moment, I began, when I tried to attend church, I would hear pastors say things that were not true. They weren't in the Bible at all. And each time I heard that, I would contact that pastor and question him. And each one of them became mad at me. None of them repented. None of them were sorry for what they did. And I was deeply grieved. I thought, well, how can this be? How can they not be sorry for what they've taught? When they've openly admitted to me, it wasn't in the Bible. They made it up. I mean, why weren't they sorry for what they had done? Instead, they were angry with me for telling them. And they did not repent. I was very grieved for a great many years over this. In approximately 2017... God took me back to this scripture in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and added some more teaching to it. I had already seen that a falling away from scripture had to come before Jesus could return. I saw that. But then in 2017, he brought me the word restraint. And when I looked it up in the NASB Bible, I saw it clearly. So here is what God showed me about this. In 2 Thessalonians 2, let's repeat this, verses 3 and 4 in the King James Version. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. People were going to fall away from scriptures, part of the scriptures, and churches were going to fall away from scriptures, in part. And the minute that they removed part of the scriptures, Lawlessness would move in, Antichrist would move in to their church group. And it says, And that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. The falling away from Scripture allowed the man of sin to be revealed because then he would speak up. Verse 4, Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. 
Antichrist would sit in the church, in the temple of God. All of these years before, the various churches I've been to have taught that Antichrist comes through governments of men. In the book War and Peace Told Story in the early 1800s, showed the vision, showed the view of the people of Russia. They thought Antichrist was Napoleon because Napoleon was attacking Russia at that time. The church people thought Antichrist was Napoleon. I feel certain that many of the people in the 1940s thought Hitler was the Antichrist. They were thinking of just one Antichrist coming through governments of men. And this is what the churches had been teaching for hundreds of years. One Antichrist coming through the governments of men. God took me to a passage of scripture where John was speaking to a church group. That passage of scripture is in 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. In that passage of scripture, John said to the church group, Little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know it is the last time. Many Antichrists. And he said they went out from us, but they were not all of us. For had they been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Well, John in the church was teaching the doctrines of Christ. And these antichrists that were sitting there, there were many antichrists hearing him. But they were antichrists who were opposite to the doctrines of Christ. So they left that church. They no doubt went out, many of them, and started their own church groups. Well, with these denominations that have departed from portions of Scripture, if you as a real Christian try to go there and hear what they're saying and you know the Bible, you'll leave them. You will leave them because they have departed from Scripture. But in the case of John, he was holding the church together. The Apostle John was, and those Antichrists couldn't take over in the church where John was. Neither could they take over in the church where Paul was. We have such interesting scriptures in Acts chapter 20. Paul had called the elders of the church together because he knew he would never see them again. So he called them together, and he even told them in Acts 20 that grievous wolves were going to come into the church and even some of themselves, the elders of the church at Ephesus, even they, some of them would arise and speak perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves and set up other churches. Antichrist was going to move into the church. And in the last days, Paul warned us that it would really be very major that Antichrist would move in to the church and take over and set up his own doctrines and portions of scripture would be removed from the church. So it's not one Antichrist, just like it's not one devil. 
Devil is a spirit that operates in people. Antichrist is a spirit that operates in church people. Opposite to Christ. Returning now to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So a falling away had to come, and God told me it was churches falling away from portions of Scripture. They don't fall away from all Scripture, for then you wouldn't go there. They just remove some Scripture, such as Matthew 5.32, where Jesus said, The man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. They don't teach that. They don't mention that. I've never heard that mentioned at any church I've attended. At one period of time, I lived in Lubbock, Texas, and I was very involved with the Texas Tech Museum group. They had a dinner, and I went to that dinner. We had assigned seats. I entered the door, and I saw the table where I was to sit, and next to me was sitting a man who was wearing the largest cross around his neck that I've ever seen. It was a wooden cross, had to have been at least six inches long. And I just knew I was in trouble before I ever sat down. Sure enough, when I sat down beside him, he introduced himself to everyone at the table, and he said he was the former uh, pastor at Indiana Street Baptist Church. And he went on to say they had such a problem at the church. And everybody looked up to see what the problem was. He said, we have built onto the church building three times and we still don't have enough room to seat all the people who are trying to come to church. I said to this man, well, if you would teach what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 32, about one half of your people would get up and leave and you wouldn't have any trouble seating the people anymore. And I fled. I just left. I was not going to sit by that man and have dinner. Jesus says the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Matthew 5.32 Jesus said to the men, if you divorce a faithful wife, she will remarry and therefore she will commit adultery and you will be the cause of her adultery. Well, these are pretty strong things. If you're teaching that one verse of scripture to your church, you're basically telling the men they can't divorce a faithful wife. And if they do divorce a faithful wife and she remarries, she commits adultery. And they're telling the faithful wife, if you are divorced and remarried, you commit adultery. And they're telling the men who would marry the divorced woman, you commit adultery. Well, they're going to be furious with you if you teach that scripture. I know because I've taught it. Pam Paget has taught it. We've all suffered the consequences of teaching that scripture. Pam was attending a non-denominational church in uh, Oklahoma when she lived there. And a woman in the singles class decided she wanted to remarry. She was divorced. She wanted to remarry. Pam went to her and said, well, according to the Bible, if you remarry, you will commit adultery after having been divorced. And the woman said to Pam, I don't care what the Bible says. Poor poor little Pam, she was so shocked. She said, here's a person at church who doesn't care what the Bible says. Pam couldn't believe it. 
Later, Pam went to the man who was going to marry this divorced woman and told him, the Bible says if you marry a divorced woman, you commit adultery. He said, well, I'll think about it. But he went on with the wedding. Pam went to the the maid of honor. I'm sorry to laugh, but this story in one way is funny. Went to the maid of honor, and the maid of honor said, well, I know it's adultery, but I'm going to do it anyway because they'll go ahead with the wedding whether I'm maid of honor or not, so I'm going to go ahead and do it. When Pam told me that, I heard the scripture, be not partaker of other men's sins, keep thyself pure. Well, they did marry. Pam moved to another location in Oklahoma, and she was a good distance from that church, so she stopped going to the singles class. But when she would go to the main service, 11 o'clock service, uh, the singles always sat together. So Pam went to the building and got there and went to the place where the singles sat, and no one showed up. They sat, she turned around, and they were sitting in another part of the auditorium. She just thought, oh, well, they just have changed the place where they sit. The next time she went, she sat in that part of the auditorium, and they sat in the old place. And the next time she went, they were seated there in the auditorium. She went and sat down by them, and without one word, Every one of them got up and moved to another part of the auditorium. Pam cried out to God, What have I done? She said, Have I done something wrong? What have I done? Why have they got up and left me? (laughs) Well, anyway, when we first learned these things, we're a little shocked that they don't care what the Bible says. They're going to do it anyway. And they don't want to be around us because we spoke truth to them. A few weeks later, a woman in the church came to Pam and said, I have a message for you from God. He knows how the singles class is treating you. And he wants you to know you did the right thing. You spoke the right thing to them. And Pam was just so grateful that God would send her a message to help her. That's a pretty strong story. I have run into it so many times with ministers and with individuals in the churches. Antichrist. That's Antichrist. They move away from portions of Scripture, such as the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. They don't move away from all Scripture. Just portions that would offend people, that would make people upset. They explain their way, or they just never mention that scripture. I've never heard Matthew 5.32 mentioned at church. Well, other than I have heard people at church, ministers teach, and people say, oh, well, if your husband was committing fornication, you as a wife can divorce him and remarry. Well, that's not what God says at all in the Bible. For you have to compare scripture with scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 and 11. Paul said this is a commandment of the Lord. He specifically spelled it out that this, these two verses are a commandment of the Lord, not his idea. Let not the wife depart from her husband, but in if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled 
to her husband. Then at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, let's read what Paul says to the women. Paul is speaking to the New Testament church. He is speaking as an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he is speaking under the inspiration of God. And he says, The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth. But if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will only in the Lord. That's verse 39. In Romans chapter 7, verses 1 through 3, Paul talks about the woman who is divorced and remarries and that she will be called an adulteress. And he mentions this, the wife is bound by the law. And preachers, I've heard them preach this. In the New Testament church, you're not bound by the law, so these scriptures don't count. That's foolishness. These are rules for the New Testament church. These are the laws of God for the New Testament church. Paul is speaking the laws of God for the New Testament church. In the Old Testament, they sacrificed animals for sins. And we don't go by the Old Testament law of Moses, but we certainly go by the New Testament law of God. So they twist these things around in churches so that people will sin and feel approved in their sin. But that will not justify those people in the sight of God, for we all have Bibles. And they were teaching something wrong at the first church I went to. And when I saw in the Bible, it was the opposite from what they were teaching. What did I do? I left that church. These people who do not leave their churches will be condemned by God. They take more pleasure in their church than they do in the Word of God. Therefore, they stay at that church to keep all of those associations and friendships and their life I know what it is to give up your life. The church was my whole life. I had no social life except the church. And I've had to give it up many times because they were teaching doctrines opposite to the Bible. It all depends on whether you love the Word of God more than you love your church. Well, it's a very serious matter. Second Thessalonians 2, let's look at what happens if you stay in a church where there's teaching opposite to the Word of God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness, in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. They didn't love the truth of the Word of God above the doctrines of, that were being taught at their churches, which were opposite to the Word of God. They did not receive the love of the truth of the Word of God, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. This is talking about the church people. Because they went along with Antichrist. They went along with the changing of the scripture. They changed the doctrine 
of Christ to another doctrine at church. And they went along with it. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. One time I met a woman who was talking about one Antichrist and I showed her what the Apostle John said. There were many Antichrists. She listened to the scripture that I read to her and she said, well, my church teaches there's just one Antichrist. I'm just going to stay with that. That's exactly the kind of person that Paul is speaking of in 2 Thessalonians 2. God will send them strong delusion that they would believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And don't fool yourself. At the judgment seat of Christ, what do you think is going to happen to you when you say, but oh, it was just a little scripture and um, I could spread the gospel if I stayed in church. I could help them. What do you think God's going to do with you? Do you think God might say, well, Pam Paget spoke the truth of the scriptures and she suffered the persecution at her church for doing it and you didn't. She laid down her life because she loved the word of God. You didn't lay down your life because you loved the parties at church. You loved the social gatherings. You loved the goodness that comes from the appearance of going to church to be able to say, I go to church at such and such. You love all of that more than you love the Word of God, the Bible. <laughs> it's not going to be a pleasant day at judgment seat of Christ for anybody who does that. So what God has shown me about Antichrist is mostly tied up here in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. He showed me there would have to come a falling away from Scripture at church before Jesus could return, and that lawlessness would come into the church against the Scriptures, and they would do things contrary to the Scripture, anti-Christ. And he also showed me another thing back in the year approximately 2017. I was showed the first part of this in 1982 about the falling away. Then in 2017, God brought the word restraint to my mind and I found it in the NASB in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And I started reading it. Verses 6 and 6 through 8 of the NASB. And you know what restrains him now, so that he will be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is removed. I looked at that verse 6, and you know what restrains him now. And I said to God, what restrains him? And the Holy Spirit said to me, the scriptures restrain Antichrist. And when a portion of scriptures are removed, the door is open for Antichrist to come into the church group. The restraint against Antichrist were the scriptures. And you remove a portion of scripture 
the man who, who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Just remove that scripture. Don't talk about that scripture at your church group. Antichrist can move in. That one little portion of scripture lets Antichrist into the church group. The man of lawlessness, because it's lawlessness to have another doctrine, which permits the men to marry the divorced woman without penalty. And then I saw it when God explained it to me this way. The scriptures restrain Antichrist. And when portion of scriptures are removed, the door opens for Antichrist to come into the church group. And I saw immediately, Jesus, the word is removed. When Jesus is removed from the church in that portion of scripture, lawlessness comes in, Antichrist comes in. That's the restraint against Antichrist. Jesus, the word, is the only thing strong enough to keep Antichrist out of the church group. And that's what God showed me about Antichrist. Antichrist was already sitting among the elders of the church at Ephesus when Paul warned them as follows. Acts chapter 20. And from Miletus he, Paul, sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came unto Asia, after what manner I have been with you all at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying and weight of the Jews." and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that befall me there save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, among the church, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves, of the elders, shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. That was Antichrist just waiting for the opportunity to arise and speak perverse things to the church at Ephesus as an elder.
and Paul knew it, and he told them he knew it. They wanted to draw away disciples after themselves. They wanted to set up another doctrine, denominations. Where did they begin? They began at the time of Paul and John, from these Antichrist people who were just waiting to take to set up another church group where they could present their own doctrines instead of the doctrines of Christ. We see it all over. Paul said to Timothy, 1 Timothy 1, verse 3, As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightst charge some that they teach no other doctrine. They had no Bibles in those days. They didn't have New Testament Bibles at the time of Paul. Paul's letters were used by God as a majority of the New Testament Bible. They didn't have a New Testament Bible like we have. We can read the doctrines of Christ in the New Testament Bible. They didn't have that, but what they had was Paul himself teaching the doctrines of Christ. And he sent out faithful men such as Timothy to be sure they went by the doctrines of Christ. He knew Antichrist was right there on the threshold waiting to move in. 1 Timothy chapter 6 Verse 3, Paul says to Timothy, If any man teach otherwise, and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he told Timothy to withdraw from them. Second Timothy 3.16, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It was the inspiration of God that inspired Paul to teach what he taught and to write what he wrote, which is used today for us as the New Testament Bible. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. We can see every bit of that in the Bible. We can see there were many antichrists in the Bible. We don't have to go along with the idea there's one Antichrist coming from governments of men because we see what John says in the Bible. We will be held accountable at the judgment seat of Christ. For we have the New Testament Bible. They will be accountable from the church at the time of Paul because they had all the teachings of Paul. We'll we'll all be accountable at the judgment seat of Christ. Romans 16, 17, Paul said, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offensive contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, which you have learned from him, he meant, and avoid them. Paul was teaching them the doctrines of Christ, and he's warning them, if someone comes in among you and he does not go by the doctrines I teach you, avoid them. We have the New Testament Bible which Paul taught to them. And we are the same. If someone comes among us and will not go by the doctrines of Christ in the New Testament Bible, avoid them. Just turn away from them. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, Paul says to Timothy, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. 
Isn't that what they did with the word of Jesus back in Matthew chapter 5, verse 32? When he warned the men, if you divorce a faithful wife and she remarries, she will commit adultery, but you will be the cause of her adultery. And the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery because of their own lust. They won't put up with a doctrine like that. But they heap to themselves the teachers that will tell them what they want to hear. We had a person in our church group, before she was born again, she, well, actually she had sex at the age of 17 outside of marriage. Then she married the man. Then they had two children. Then they divorced. Then she wanted to marry again. She had been raised in a Baptist church and had apparently heard uh, teaching against a divorced woman remarrying. In her generation, that might have been taught in some of the churches. I, I believe I heard it at Church of Christ when I was a teenager. Anyway, she was a Baptist, and so she met a man she wanted to marry. And she went to a minister, a pastor, to ask him if she could remarry after divorce. And he said, well, my sister remarried after divorce. I don't see anything wrong with it. So she married this man, and later she was so angry because she was born again and read in the Bible and she was persuaded by the scriptures that when she remarried after divorce she committed adultery and she was so angry at that pastor for telling her she could remarry she had the Bible she could have looked it up Holy Spirit said to me well, wasn't she committing fornication at the time she went to the pastor? Weren't she and this man already having sex that she wanted to marry? And I said to her, well, weren't you and Edward already having sex at the time you went to the pastor? She got stone cold dead and said, yes. <laughs> well, it's a little bit of a moot point if you're committing fornication and you go to a pastor asking him if you can remarry after divorce. I suspect she stopped being angry at that pastor, although they'll all be judged. Why? They have a Bible. She has a Bible, and the pastor has a Bible. If you want to know about marriage, read divorce and remarriage, read the Bible. Read the New Testament Bible. Look at all the scriptures. Compare scripture against scripture. And if you truly will go by the word of God, God will reveal the truth to you, and otherwise you'll just let you go on into damnation. In Titus um, chapter 1, verse 9, Paul, concerning those appointed as elders in the church, said, They should be men who hold fast the faithful word as he has been taught, as he has been taught by Paul and the other apostles of that time, for they had no New Testament Bibles as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. There are so many antichrists waiting at the church door, wanting to look approved by men, wanting to look like good men, and wanting to be approved in their sin. One time God said to me, they want freedom to sin and be approved in their sin, Whereas you want freedom from sin, which the scriptures give you when you go by the scriptures. 
Antichrist was just waiting to rise up in the churches in the days of Paul and John. 1 Timothy 4.16, Paul speaking to Timothy, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. 2 Timothy 4, verse 2. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Paul speaking to the church to tell what we're to do when we gather as the church. We've never seen anything like this before. 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 14, verse 26. How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Every one of you. You speak as the Spirit has shown you something or gives you something. And he says, let all things be done unto edifying. But it wasn't a planned program for church. They came together, and whichever one had the word of the Lord at that moment, whichever one had a word from the Lord, presented the word. That's the way that it was supposed to be when we came together. Paul speaking to the church, 1 Corinthians 4, 17. For this cause I have sent you to Mesias, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. No New Testament Bible. Paul and the other apostles were the examples. Today we have the New Testament Bible. Then we go by that. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Paul says to Timothy, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And we find in 1 John chapter 2, 27, that every one of us have an anointing of God to the truth because we have the Spirit of God. And that anointing of God agrees with Paul and what he says in the Bible. So there's not any conflict between what the Holy Spirit is teaching us and what the Holy Spirit taught Paul. It's one Spirit. 1 John chapter 2, 27 But the anointing which ye have received of him, of God, abideth in you, and you need not that any man teach you, but the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him, in the word. And Paul said to the church at the Galatians, Galatians 1, verse 6, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. They were speaking a doctrine that was not the gospel of Christ in the church of the Galatians. Antichrist was already working among this church to bring them another doctrine in the day of Paul. 
Verse 8, Paul says, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Verse 9, As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you, then that ye have received, meaning received from Paul, received by the Holy Spirit, received in the New Testament Bible for us today, let him be accursed if he preaches anything else other than the New Testament Bible to us. Let him be accursed, and he will be accursed. But so will we if we go along with it. And Paul says in verse 10, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. It's not by man's idea. Verse 12, For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it by man, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. There are many Antichrists, and there have been since the day of John, and there are even more Antichrists toward the end times, and doctrine is perverted in many of the churches, and people go along with the doctrine, and they become Antichrist by going along with a perverse doctrine taught in their churches. They do not love the truth. They will be damned by God because they did not have a love of the truth that they might be saved. Some of us did not put up with the perversion, and we left and clung to the truth of the Word of God in the New Testament. Thank you for allowing me to speak this to you today.